0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to What Are You Watching? I'm Alex Wither, and I'm joined by my best man, Nick Dostal. How you doing there, King Richard? I'm, uh, I'm all right. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. You're not excited to talk about the 2022 Oscars? What do you mean? We're back to touch briefly on the 2022 Oscar race. This episode is coming out on March 24th, the Thursday before the Oscars air. We will, of course, do a post-show episode directly after the telecast on March 27th. But here we are. How does the race stand? How do all the races stand? You, like a lot of people, have been catching up on these movies since the nominations were announced a few weeks ago. So just in general, overall, how you feeling? I think our top five of 2021
1: 2021- is in in, in everything, because I know we had five different movies. Mm-hmm. I think all of our picks are a better representation of what this year was in cinema than what is being um, presented to us from the Oscars. And I do not think these are bad movies. I,
0: but, but are they Oscar movies? That's the that's world we Oscar live movies. in nowadays. Like, Are these Oscar movies, are these all worthy of being hailed like the best picture of the year. And of course, we all know with that, this is best picture of the year, according to the Academy, not according to, well, really anything else but them. But these are the movies we have. We're gonna focus on talking about the movies nominated for best picture here. And then we're gonna talk about the narratives. You know, we did our nominations breakdown. I said, this is really gonna come down to what narratives take hold. And while we are recording this, a little before March 24th, so, Which is to say, narratives can change, but the narratives that are kind of in place now, following the Screen Actors Guild Awards, following the Film Independent Spirit Awards, which, aren't, which don't change stuff that much, but just following this stuff, we're going to talk about where we are now with each major race. And I thought it would be uh, pertinent to get a hot take out of the way here and just, whew, and talk about the um, disastrous and... A Terrible decision by the Academy to not air eight of the awards live during this telecast coming up. These awards are documentary short, film editing, a huge award, makeup and hairstyling, original score, a huge award, production design, animated short, Live action, short, and sound. Ugh. This is such bullshit. This It's so stupid. Like Egregious. No one – this is a central problem with the Oscars right now. No one who cares about the Oscars, no one who is already planning to set out – to set aside their Sunday evening to watch these, no one is arguing that these things be shorter. We accepted long ago that this telecast runs forever. It's four hours plus. There's a lot in the show that I like. There's a lot in the show I make fun of and dislike. Who cares? At least it's all here. I don't understand this. Like, we got to make it shorter because we're trying to – Who are you trying to attract? Who is new to the Oscar? Like, no one's watching. It's like, yes, they cut all these awards. You know what? Finally, they cut out Best Short and Best Documentary Short and Animated Short. Now I'm finally going to watch. No one's doing that. It's it's so, so stupid. I know – I understand that they are going to air these speeches throughout the telecast, but it's not the same. It's, it's not, not the, the same. same as having your moment of winning it live. Like this, they've made a lot of bad decisions this year. This is the worst. So Hans Zimmer has not won an Oscar since 1994's The Lion King best original score. He's been nominated so many times. He actually has a good chance. I don't know if he'll win, but he has a good chance to win this year for Dune are are you, are you telling me that people who are actually interested in the Oscars and who are going to watch the Oscars those people want to see Hans Zimmer win his moment they don't want to see it like played back and edited down during a commercial pro- i don't know oh. how do you feel about this obviously my feelings are clear <laughs> it's egregious it's a, it, that is the word it is
1: yes we do have a lot of award shows that are that have you know that take up the award season But most of them all really have to do with acting and writing. And, you know, these are the awards, the only awards that are really ever up for the filmmaking part of it. So production design, score, editing. This is the one chance where those parts of filmmaking are allowed to have their moment. And those are like always the awards that we never really question. Because like whatever is up for best production design, it's like, yep. Yeah, that 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 makes a lot of sense why that would be there. So, the and and how much work goes into these things to not have for one night a year for people that work their asses off to not have that moment to for to be there for them? I don't fucking get it. And to what end? To what end? What 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 yeah, exactly. To what you're right. What does it do? What what who's watching the Oscars that's because, like, people who don't watch the Oscars,
0: they don't watch the Oscars. Exactly. They don't give a shit. So why are you – they're they not going to watch it because your show is three hours now and because you excised yeah. eight awards. You're not gaining new viewers. I guarantee you 100% if they announced – not this year. It's too late. The cat is already out of the bag. But for next year, if they're like, all right, all right, we've done some bullshit the past couple of years – for the, our theme this year, we're going old school. We're going back to like an old school telecast. Mike over four hours. We're bringing Billy, Billy Crystal back to host. It's going to be silly. We're going to have musical numbers and montages. But you're going to get to see every award. And we're not going to cut off people's speeches. It's just so dumb. Yeah. I don't understand. Like The Oscars at their bloatiest, their biggest, is like four and a half hours. That's probably their longest ever. That's like two sporting events. Or like one and a half of your average length sporting event. Why, and those happen... Every week. I I don't understand why we can't get one... (sighs) I don't understand why the Academy doesn't understand this. Like, your fans, your diehard, your loyal base wants all of it. Even the good and the bad. You're cutting out a lot of the good. You're cutting out some of the bad, I get it, but you're cutting out a lot of the good, too. Like, this is... So... Well, certain directors have come out, like James oh, Cameron, yeah. Guillermo del Toro, oh, yeah, because, like, um, and I mean, del Toro and Steven Spielberg is like, my movie doesn't exist without production design. Mm-hmm. My movie doesn't exist without editing, without sound. What the hell are we doing here? All right, let's talk about these nominees.
1: And 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 I and I want to I want to take back my initial reaction I had at the top of the uh, the episode of being disappointed about this year because like the movies that we're about to talk about, like. I can, in good conscience, be that negative about them because filmmaking, as we've always said in this sh- in this this show, is the hardest thing you could ever do. It it in terms of creating something. There's so many things that go bad, so I can't look at any of these movies negatively. So I do take back a little bit of my apprehension at the beginning of the show because we are going to talk about some movies that I really actually have. Really, really great feelings about.
0: Yeah, there are 10 movies nominated for Best Picture this year. This was the first year in a long time that it was going to be 10. For a while, it's been anywhere from 5 to 10. Before 2008, it was just 5, which was better and easier. I do think you can feel a few of the films kind of sneaking in those ninth or 10th place positions. But we're going to go through an order, an alphabetical order here. We're going to start with Belfast, directed by Kenneth Branagh. You watched this movie for the first time yesterday, and I woke up to a text message from you early this morning that said, I really liked Belfast. I only saw this once in the theater, and when I saw that text message of yours, I'm like, you know what? Right now, I'm going to pay the $5.99 to rent it on YouTube and watch it again, and I did, and things were confirmed. Not so when I first saw this movie, this is well before Oscar narratives have started, and there was something like, oh, I think he's going to get some noms for this. But, having rewatched it with like the narratives kind of settled and Belfast kind of out of it, I really like this movie. I think it's really sweet, I really like really it. tender, and I actually like it more now that it's Oscar Heat has calmed down i I mean the acting in it is just incredible that, you know I'm glad that it got nominations, but like Katrina Balfe playing the mom. Really deserved the nomination. The oh. kid is great, but yep. all this goes to say. Belfast has seven nominations total. All this goes to say, like, we're really glad you got to see this, and so glad you not only liked it, but then that gave me the motivation to watch it again. And I really, really like it.
1: I I really, really like this movie. Uh, it's it's very, very high up there for me on the Oscar list. I don't think it, it's. I liked it so much that I had to question whether or not I was going to put it in my top five of the year. Sure, sure. And change. But it didn't. It didn't. But it's an asterisk for sure. It it, it just, just barely didn't make it. But um, I love the cinematography of this movie. I think it might be personally one of my favorite looking movies of the whole entire year. I I absolutely connected to it on a very, very personal level. It made me think of my grandmother a lot in the Judy Dench character. Oh, yeah. She looked exactly like my grandmother and um, wore the same type of sweater. Like I could feel like when I would go to hug my grandma, like I would be hugging the exact same sweater that Judy Dench was wearing. And just that same level of, of kindness that, and, and, and a little bit of a little bit of cynicism that she has that just remind me of my grandmother. So I really enjoyed Belfast. I hope that this movie might catch a little bit. You're right. Like when it, Kind of like a movie loses its Oscar steam, mm-hmm. it does kind of change a little bit of how you look at it. Um, I'll just put it this way if this movie was to somehow pull it out and win it, I wouldn't be unhappy.
0: Well, I actually agree. I would not be mad at all if this snuck in and won kind of like the sentimental award for best picture. I think best director is, I feel pretty confident saying that's going to be Jane Campion winning for that. We're going to get to Power of the Dog, but it would be cool if, you know, they snuck in and gave Belfast the kind of sentimental. Win. I actually think its best chances are in the best original screenplay category, which has been a source of a lot of contention here on the What Are You Watching podcast. We're going to get to that when we talk about narratives, but <laughs> yeah, it'll be I don't know, or maybe it comes away with nothing. It's tough. It's tough because I could see it winning
1: director because because for Brandon like it's a very personal movie. It's probably
0: his most personal movie he's yeah. ever made, yeah. and. I could see maybe going to him for that. The next movie on our list is Coda. This is by Cian Hader. It has three nominations total. I think I feel pretty confident saying this is actually going to win one. And this is the sags kind of change the narrative and the tide on this. I, I do think this is being lined up to take supporting actor, which is a which is good. It's interesting. I never saw that coming picture. After the Screen Actors Guild Awards, you know, it won Best Supporting Actor, Troy Kotzer, and it won the Cast Award, which is not a big predictor for Best Picture, not really. But now, uh, you know, I listen to a lot of industry podcasts like Hollywood Reporter, Variety, and they're, that's, that's the new narrative. Like, could this maybe knock out Power of the Dog to take that sentimental favorite? You look at 2018, you have Green Book, very sentimental movie. And then Afonso Cuaron for Roma, much more personal film, wins director. You know, this happens a lot. They will split up director and picture. So I don't know. I don't know if Coda has the juice, if it's big enough to knock out Power the Dog or to knock out any of these films. This seems to be a very fast-brewing, sentimental favorite. This is an Apple movie. So that's those are all like its chances and stuff. The film itself, this movie is exactly what I thought it was going to be. It hit all those emotional, you know, it manipulates our emotion very well, and it does what it sets out to do. I honestly thought it had a little bit more of, like, a Lifetime movie vibe, but it's doing that thing where it's trying to manipulate our emotions so that we maybe shed a tear or two at the end, and it seems like that's happening to a lot of people. thought it was a very sweet movie, not necessarily, like, a Best Picture-worthy movie to me, um, but we'll see. This is, I think, the movie to watch. It only has three nominations total, but this, I don't know, this could do some damage, or we could potentially never really hear about it after
1: Oscar night. I think everything you said, I reciprocate those exact feelings. I I wonder if this is the type of movie that people want, you know, and not not just, just this particular movie, but in going forward, Is this type of sentiment, if this type of tone and this type of, to to lack of a better word, safety of it, is this what people look for in movies? Because I'm always, because we're in such a weird time frame with movies now, I'm kind of wondering like what the masses are looking for because they get what they want to get through TV. They get what they need to get. The movies are still in the air of like, what are people going here for outside of Marvel stuff? I'm wondering if this is – and this is why it's kind of getting like a huge kind of current going for it is because this is what people might want. And,
0: and if it does win, what that might mean going forward. There's a lot to unpack with this because this, to me, feels like your very garn variety typical streaming movie. The way it looks, yeah, the character emotions, everything about it seems very, very friendly – very safe, yep. very surface. I'm not shitting on the movie at all. I think this movie does not at all exactly what it sets out to do very well. It's not 100 percent my vibe, but that's completely okay. The reason why this movie and Power of the Dog are so interesting is because Coda is an Apple TV plus film. Power the Dog is Netflix. These are the two movies I think vying for contention for Best Picture. No streaming movie has ever won Best Picture. None. They've won Best Director. This is a Huge fucking deal if a streaming movie wins Best Picture. That will be for the industry, maybe not for people at home, but for the industry, that is going to change a lot to say these movies don't even need to be released in theaters now. They don't need to. We can absolutely do this all from home. And that is, that's got to be a scary proposition for a lot of people in the industry, a lot of studio, traditional studio people specifically. So if Power the Dog or Coda does not win, I think it would be accredited to that more than anything that they're not ready to give it to a, give it to a streaming film yet.
1: We'll see. Do you think that's a, a narrative going on
0: that might not be talked about a lot? And is this is why this is a narrative going on within the industry within voters? This is all shit I get mm. from my industry podcasts like i don't yeah i also try not to do like too much research on this because i want some of the show to be fun and i don't want to i'm not like exhaustively researching every award to death i used to do that and it was fun but then i'm like if i don't do it i get to enjoy the show more so i think that (laughs) is and you know a lot of the entertainment press is complete and utter uh bullshit Mm -hmm. so latching on to these narratives it can be tough like what are they building up as a narrative but it is definitely a red flag for people in the industry to award the highest movie honor to a film, to a streaming service film. There've been a lot of people openly rejecting that idea. If that changes this year, it's just going to be a big deal. That's all I'm saying. It's going to be pretty crazy. I mean, Nomadland was not a streaming film, but they released that in like a few theaters. And I don't think anyone saw that movie in the theater. Then it was released on Hulu. Yep. That's when the Oscar narrative started. That's when people were watching it. And I think that, I think largely that is why it won Best Picture, because everyone was just at home watching it, watching it. So we'll see. That, that's all. It's just I just want to flag that that if you have a streaming movie, win Best Picture, no one like on stage may be talking about, wow, this is a monumental moment. But that will be a huge turning point for the Academy. Huge. I think that's what will happen. I do, too. Yeah. Let's move to the most well-regarded film on the list here. That's Adam McKay's Don't Look Up. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a little bit of trivia, folks. Three feature films nominated for Oscars this year. Only three have been deemed rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. Those three films are Coming to America, the sequel, Four Good Days, a movie starring Mila Kunis and Glenn Close that no one saw, and Don't Look Up. (laughs) So a Best Picture nominee is one of three movies nominated this year for any award that is deemed rotten. Free Guy, not rotten. Okay, we talked about don't look up a lot. I don't think it has a shot to hell at winning this. I think probably people would in their preferential voting be putting this <laughs> not high on their ballots. But I got a, we both got a huge kick out of this movie. I love that it's here. It still kind of feels like a middle finger to uh, the Academy that it's here. <laughs> And it
1: is technically,
0: it would be a streaming it movie. It would. it absolutely it, huh? is. It's a Netflix movie. And it has four
1: nominations total. It's so, one more than CODA. as, as, as <laughs>
0: <it's> true. <laughs> got best editing in there.
1: I think the only thing that I'm kind of going to piggyback off of this is just, I love the fact that it got rated on Rotten Tomatoes, the credible Rotten Tomatoes. Credible, yeah,
0: so credible. That
1: it's one of the worst ranked movies of the year, just because that controversy. I love the fact that there is a movie that has come out that is so polarizing that it's an
0: Oscar nominee and <laughs> ranked the worst movie. <laughs> so ridiculous to see that. Like, oh my God. Next up, there are two movies out of 10 here that you haven't seen. One of them I don't really think you're going to like. One I think you are going to like is Drive My Car by Rusuke Hamaguchi. This has four nominations total. I would say these were surprise nominations. Wow, this is a long, poetic, three-hour Japanese film about the meditation of loss grief it's very long it's very small but also emotionally big i just i just can't wait
1: to see it the only reason i didn't i it's just because of the length i didn't get time to it before we recorded but this is the one that excites me more than any other movie on the list that i hadn't seen and um so uh my movie night is planned out for tonight I cannot wait to watch this
0: movie. And this one is on HBO Max right now. It's really cool that they put it up there. What I've been telling everyone, I know this is tough and I know this is tough for you. It's tough for me. This is a good one that if you can block off those three hours and put the phone away, I promise you that's going to benefit. There's going to be a lot of times that people want to pause or just go do something because it's, it's a very meditative piece. It's long. It's very intentional. But yeah, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on that one. When we are doing our... You know, post Oscar chat, you can tell us what you thought of that one because you will have seen it by then. Strong player to win international feature film. I don't see it, you know, winning any other major award. So what you're saying is, is a good movie with a cup of coffee? Uh, yeah, about three or four <laughs> cups of coffee for sure. I love that. I, I think that's one of my favorite things
1: you've ever said about a movie when you're talking about The Nest. Do you nest, remember which movie I nest. said it about? Yeah. Oh, The Nest. Yep. Yeah, you remember. Yep.
0: And you, uh, was I right? Or no, you were 100% you, you right. A, and it, That movie's only an hour and 45 minutes and you eat coffee. But you're yeah. like, this movie goes, goes good with a cup of coffee. <laughs> Next up, we have Denny Villeneuve's Great Dune. It has 10 nominations total. Absolutely should have had 11 for mm-hmm. its director. Yep. But its director was snubbed bafflingly. What do we say about Dune? You know, way back when, when we were talking about the nominations, I was like, to fix the Academy, they should give all these awards to Dune, including all the technical awards that they're, now, not airing live, and they should give it picture and director. Wasn't even nominated for director. Great. I don't know how Dune's Night will play out. I don't think, I mean, you think I'm going to complain if this somehow wins picture? <laughs> That'd be awesome. Oh my God. I don't think that's going to happen. I, I'm hoping that we see uh, some doing some good clean up in the technical categories i'm hoping for i mean cinematography would be great greg is nominated he also shot the batman so he's having a great time in his career right now original score would be amazing to see hans yeah. Zimmer win but i don't know how its chances are in terms of best picture i also wonder if will we see dune part two here in x amount of years and will we see best director nominee denny villeneuve dune part two in a few years um i don't know
1: but personally uh outside of one movie that f- listeners to us will already know mm-hmm. uh, that we're going to talk about pretty soon, outside of that movie, this is the one that I want to see win the most.
0: Yeah, this would be my number two pick for yep. sure. I love Dune.
1: And maybe because it got snubbed for director, there could be a chance that it could take away picture. I don't know. Well, so v- we saw that with Argo. Yep. And, and this would be, I think, because if you're talking about the streaming narrative... If if there was a decision potentially to be made, okay, well, we're not going the streaming route. You look at what you have here. This is the movie that would win.
0: Yeah, the big studio. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I think it's. I'm just not sure it's an Oscar movie. You know, I don't know. Uh, yes, neither is Coda. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. I I don't know if the 9,500 people voting for the Oscars. I'm sure. Maybe more so than any movie they have seen Dune. I don't know. Maybe Dune is the most watched movie. I how do we even judge that? I don't know. But at this point I'm just hoping for some technical wins. Really, I'm hoping it doesn't get
1: I think it'll I think it'll still win those. Yeah, I
0: hope so. I hope Power the Dog isn't gonna boost it out. It'll
1: win some of the non-televised um awards that we won't be seeing live.
0: Yeah, thanks for that, Academy. (laughs) Next up with six nominations total, we have Ronaldo Marcus Green's King Richard. You and I have not talked about King Richard at all on the pod. You mentioned to me, we were talking on the phone, that you watched it like a while ago, like I did, and we both liked it. Mm? We both enjoyed it. We were like, oh, I get it. This, This is a very, to me, a very traditional old school Oscar movie. It's based on a true story. The movie is a vehicle for its lead star to hopefully win Best Actor. We've seen this a lot. Its chances to win this, I don't think, are very high. I... You just got to look out for Will Smith. I think that's its its good chance to win an award. And his Screen Actors Guild speech was very interesting to me. Very interesting because that is an old school, I have this in the bag speech. He did not thank anyone personal. He didn't thank his wife. He didn't thank his children. And usually when they do that, when stars do that, it's because they are assuming they are going to win that Best Actor Oscar. And that's when they're going to give all their... You know, I like to thank my wife, my family. That's when they're going to say all that. This speech was very professional at the Screen Actors Guild, and I just want to say, Anthony Hopkins, that's all I'm saying, the dude won last year, and I don't know who the hell predicted that. I didn't, but enough people voted for him over Chadwick Bozeman. I'm just saying, I really, really do think this is a lock for Will Smith, but we're going to see, like— pandemonium if benedict cumberbatch ends up winning this or andrew garfield like it's going to be nuts but watch out here comes I, javier <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. here comes javier oh my god would be hysterical all right ricky ricardo um yeah i think this i think a major narrative of the evening is this will be will smith's moment we'll see i kind of i i not kind of i hope he wins i
1: do too like I do too. It, it's a it's a great performance and it's it really speaks to something that we've talked about here on the pod about like, you know, the one of the last true movie stars like and, and he carries that like this movie. It's his movie. It doesn't work without him. He's such a great actor in it, but it's also such a great movie star in it. Like he carries he carries the movie. And, and not to say that the other people in the uh, movie don't, acting-wise, because they're all phenomenal. Oh,
0: yeah, they're all great. They're
1: all great. But, uh, yeah, and and I think it's an award. I think it's a performance that's worth the win for a career that I feel like sometimes is overlooked. Mm-hmm. And I don't
0: think uh, we should overlook it anymore. I think I think it's his time. It is his time. I agree. I'll, I will be very satisfied with that win. There isn't – he did not phone this in. No. He took this – very seriously, very dedicated. There's a scene in this movie when he holds a gun. I thought he was going to use it. I really, really thought I was like, Oh my God, what is he going to do here? This is like, it's very, it's just a great performance, very dedicated. And also one of the things I liked about it, not a perfect guy kind of an asshole in some situations oh no it's okay to show someone is flawed yep. you know we're all assholes at some point in our lives it's okay to show that as part of his story i really appreciated that in fact really appreciate it
1: i really like that too because i think it spoke even to more because like there's an overall point of the movie of hard work and mm-hmm. you know uh, mm-hmm. um feeling confident and in going after what you want and believing that you can that i think that point overshadows what people might. Not like about his character, and that's what makes that those flaws of his character even better. Is because what's really matters about this movie is not if he's an asshole. So let him be the asshole when he needs to be, right? Because he gets in the way of it just as much as life gets in the way of things. So I, I like that part of the movie a lot too. To your point,
0: and the dude wasn't wrong, <laughs> and no, and <laughs> he know, wasn't wrong. He was right. His instincts were correct. <laughs> Next up, oh boy, it's our. I don't even know how to approach it. This is the winner. It's a little film. It's a little film called Licorice Pizza by Paul Thomas Anderson. Three nominations total. Where to begin? Well, you and I like Licorice Pizza. Sure do. <laughs> this is definitely our number one pick. Um, narrative of Licorice Pizza. Oh, oh, boy. Narrative one was the people who saw this movie who liked Paul Thomas Anderson, who did not like this movie, we're criticizing it that it's too weak. There's not high enough stakes. Not enough drama happens. There's no, no one's head being bashed in with a bowling pin. And there's, what, there's no plot. There's nothing to latch onto. It's not enough. It's too tame. to tame R rating. And then a few weeks later, the narrative becomes, no, Licorice Pizza is an evil movie because of the age difference of the characters and because one character says something completely dumb and ignorant in a very dumb way twice. So now fuck Licorice Pizza. So basically the narratives are Licorice Pizza doesn't push hard enough or Licorice Pizza is the most insulting movie ever made. So <laughs> I don't know where it, stand, where it stands in terms of the Oscars. I um, Best Picture is not going to happen, unfortunately. You, a few episodes ago, were going hard in the paint for PTA to win director. I don't think that's going to happen. I've been saying, you know, Best Original Screenplay, we have Belfast, Don't Look Up, King Richard, Licorice Pizza and The Worst Person in the World, Um, I don't think PTA is going to pull out a win. I think this movie has been uh, somewhat marred by such polar opposite controversy. Again, on one side, the movie didn't push enough. On the other side, the movie's terribly insulting. So... I think with that uh, bipolar nature, I don't think we're going to have a win here. And that sucks because this is my number one to win anything and everything.
1: Oh, I agree. And and I think because of these these narratives that are being spoken about it, the movie has pretty much remained silent in terms of any type of um, response in in
0: hopes of campaigning. It's not even available, like, you can rent it. You can rent you it. You can rent it or buy it places, but I said on the day of the Oscar nominations, when we did that, that they need to move now mm-hmm. and put this on a streaming service now to get people to see it. They never did that. I don't know why. Well, I don't, this is not Paul Thomas Anderson. This is something with studio, I, it's way above our pay grade, but why this movie is one of the few Movies nominated for Best Picture, not on a streaming service. Drive My Car mm-hmm. is on HBO Max. Drive My Car. I have said from the beginning that Licorice Pizza would play much better at home. Because you can put it on and be like, oh, it's, it's that segment. It's Sean Penn segment. Bradley Cooper's segment. It's a waterbed segment. Whatever. The fact that they didn't do that, um, it, it has hurt its Oscar chances immensely. I also think that has helped foster this in my opinion unfair criticism toward it because yeah a lot of people making these criticisms of how this movie is so insulting they haven't seen this movie if everyone criticized the movie had seen licorice pizza its box office number would be so much higher so these are people who of course are just starting shit just to start shit and they're offended just to be offended if the movie was on streaming and people could actually see everything within context i think that might help a little bit but what do i know and I'm still hitching my wagon, though. You really think he's going to win Best Director? Really? Why? I mean, I can't. And don't get me wrong. There's nothing more in my movie life that I want than for PTA to have the Best Director. But I just, like I said, your, um, your wish is bordering on delusion, and I respect it. It's his time. It's his time, baby. You still can't think Don't Look Up is going to win Best Original Screenplay, do you? Oh, I think that more than I think at PTA. I'm so looking forward to just throwing this all in your face. On Oscar <laughs> night. Any uh, licorice pizza thoughts? I wanted to win. <laughs> I'm glad it got nominated. I'll just put it that way. What like people who criticize this movie, both of both groups, the people who where he didn't push far enough. I know what you want out of his next movie. I know what you want. You want. It doesn't need to be hardcore like there will be blood, but you probably want something. It can be weird like the master or zany like inherent vice like, OK, I get what you want. The people who think PTA made the most offensive movie ever made, what is he allowed to do from here? Because I agree, Licorice Pizza is probably his tamest film yet. And like, it's the most offensive movie ever made to you? Like, what? <sighs> Nightmare Alley is our next <laughs> best picture <laughs> <Bigger> nominee. <Nani. laughs> Directed by Guillermo del Toro, it has four noms total. I'm a big fan of the original film made in 1947 by Edmund Goulding. That with this re-release Guillermo del Toro's version at led me to read the 1946 novel by William Lindsay Grisham. And that's a really, really intense book. And I'm a big fan of the original. I, I get what del Toro was doing here. And there are some things in this movie that don't necessarily like play well, because they are direct lifts from the original film. That stuff works there. You know, there's a lot of people who haven't seen it. So I don't want to say what it is yet but there's a grand like there's a big conceit toward the end that, like gets everything that kicks off the third act that just doesn't really play as well live and in living color in 2021 for this reason i said when del toro released his version in black and white that played so much better to me i thought it was so fucking cool to see it in black and white but all this to say you just watch this movie for the first time so i think this movie is a great Way of
1: finding the original. That's fair. If uh if Nightmare Alley was something that you enjoyed or saw something in, then pl- check out the original. Um I love Bradley Cooper. I loved all the acting in it. Uh, David Strathairn. Oh my
0: god. My favorite. He was my favorite. That guy, I love him so much. And he, of all the people in the new version, he to me was the one who seemed like he watched the original over and over and over and studied his character. And he, his portrayal is the most, it feels the most like a 1947 portrayal. I love him. Our next one, this is the big narrative of the night. We have The Power of the Dog, 12 nominations total, directed by Jane Campion. Um, okay. I've had a bit of a complicated history with this one over the past couple of weeks. Because when I first saw it, saw the day it aired, came out on Netflix, I was like, oh, wow. I get what she's doing here. I get everything the movie's putting down i got it i got it i did not know this would very quickly become the oscar front runner to win picture director potentially screenplay maybe some acting awards maybe it beats dune for some of the technical categories it's nominated for everything (laughs) when i re-watched it with that narrative it was hurting the movie for me a little bit because i'm watching it going is this is the best movie of the year? This is the best directed? This deserves to be Dune for all the technical categories? I don't know. I don't know if I fully see it. So all that said, if this is coming down to like a, the power of the dog versus Coda, not mad about it. I'm not going to be mad if the power of the dog wins best picture. It's, it's fine. I, I do think she's going to win best director. I think that narrative is being kind of buttoned up, but I just finished the book too which is interesting because um, homosexuality is not a big part of that book at all. It is touched on and hinted at, but I would argue it's a big part of the movie. And that was an interesting change to me. Like they were really trying to bring that out for the movie to maybe, you know, tap into the cultural zeitgeist a little now, but I think there are some people perhaps maybe Sam Elliott (laughs) (laughs) who have identified that and are very, uh, very upset by that. I'm not in that camp. I didn't, you know, I think it's all good, but I just, the movie's okay to me. It's like a Netflix movie. I didn't, I had no idea the first time I was watching it, that this was going to be, Hey, in a few weeks, this is going to be your front runner for picture and director. And then I was like, "Ah, I don't. Okay.
1: Yeah, I think those are my sentiment story, too. Like, I remember when I watched it, I liked it. Yeah, I yeah. very much thought it was just, like, a very, very well-done piece of business, uh, as uh, old JR likes to say. Um, but there was something. Who the fuck is JR? That's a, that's a wrestling commentator, bro. Who the
0: fuck would know that listening to listen, this podcast?
1: Listen, my peeps are going to know. My peeps are going to
0: know. <laughs> Who's peeps? There's dozens of us. My. The ND heads out there? Yeah. The ND yeah. heads listening to What Are You Watching yeah. <laughs> and, profe- and Watching Professional Wrestling? Yeah. We appreciate all you listeners. I love you guys. <laughs> but you know, you said something, because I have not seen it
1: twice, but it made me think of something, and I don't know if this is anyone else's experience with it, but I think to me what made the movie, um, for me, like what I liked about it was the reveals. Mm-hmm. Like The movie unfolds in a very specific way. That when those moments happen, they really do feel impactful. They really are like if you're going on that ride, you're like, oh, like you have like those woe moments.
0: And to its credit, these woe moments are revealed not in dialogue. They're revealed yeah, they're not. with composition, and that, yes. that is the that is evidence of a director who deserves to win best director. And you're you're right that that's that's a great point. That's a great point that maybe I'm not giving enough credit to the film for that. While those revelations may not like – none of them really punched me in the face like, whoa. Yeah, they're not but – yeah. but they're there. They're there. And I didn't – I have to be honest and say the first time I watched it, I didn't expect uh, really any of them. And the way that they were revealed literally up until its final few frames are – it's kind of the thing where I leaned back and went, oh, that was cool. Yeah. But I wasn't like, holy shit. So yeah. that's – it's just – it's different degrees, right? For yeah. sure.
1: And, and I think those moments when they're revealed fit the pacing and, and, and of the movie and they fit like the way that – But what's interesting to think about is that once you've seen the movie and you know what those things are and you go back to rewatch it for its
0: rewatchability, I don't know if those moments hold up. Ding, ding, ding. This is why my second viewing was not as enjoyable because now that I knew everything – I was really excited to go back and particularly watch Cody Smith McPhee and watch him very intently the whole time. And it wasn't, I was like, uh, uh, okay, I get, oh, the reveals were a little, I don't know, they kind of limped ahead as opposed to having that somewhat shock value to them the first Mm -hmm. time. Now I was like, yeah, okay, okay. Uh, I can kind of, it's kind of obvious. Actually, I can kind of see that happening from far away now. Yeah. Oh, I get that. And, and movies
1: do this. Like Once you've seen yeah. a movie, you only see a movie the first time once. But when you're talking about a best picture, it, it, you kind of have to even ask, like, well, if I'm going to rewatch a movie, am I going to go back and am I going to get more out of this? Is this going to be mm-hmm. a movie that I'm going to be watching for decades to come, constantly finding brand new things and studying this movie on a, on a certain level? And and I'm only saying this
0: because this movie is being championed to become best picture. That's the only reason we're talking about it like this. If this movie did not have any no Oscar nominations, I unfortunately this is a, a part of the game. This these this Oscar buzz can cloud our judgment of movies. And yes, it can. I'm not saying that's not Jane Campion's fault. It's not at not all. all. It's not. Because Netflix is the machine behind all the marketing right now and but and paying Thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in marketing, in billboards, in commercials to win these awards. It's not Campion's fault. But if you are asking me now to re-watch this movie and judge it with the understanding that this could very well win Best Picture and Director, then if you're asking me to judge it, then I have to judge it a little more harshly. I just do. If that's the lens I'm watching it under. But yeah, that's why we're being a little more critical of this, perhaps. Than if it was just, you know, a non Oscar movie.
1: And I think this also speaks to the string of Best Picture winners over the last few years. Yes. Not all of them, but I think you could probably look at the last 10 years and pick a couple out of there and be like, huh, okay, all right, all right, interesting, interesting.
0: Yeah. (laughs) When the preferential ballot voting started after 2008, which I went into on our, you know, Oscar nominations breakdown, my long rant, that you really started to see like, not even bad movies. Just oh, th- that was an okay movie. Like I would say decent movies. Some movies that had won Best Picture before that, I just don't really like. And I'm like, I get why that one. Lord of the Rings: Return of the King is not a movie that like I'm rewatching a lot personally, but I know a lot of people are. So I get why that one. I get it. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't have been For- my vote, but I get it. I I find it very hard to believe that anyone could watch a high amount of movies from 2018 and think Green Book is the best movie of that year, but it won Best Picture. So there it is. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Our final nominee, really in any other year, like 10 years ago, this would have been the, such an obvious frontrunner to win this award, but it is West Side Story, directed by Stevie Spielberg. We got seven nominations total, and I think before this movie was released, people thought this was going to be an Oscar frontrunner, and then they put this thing in theaters, and this movie tanked so hard. Maybe that's because of COVID, maybe that's because people just didn't want this, but I think it was honestly stunning to everyone involved, how poorly this movie did. And that is still one of the craziest narratives of this year to me. But I thought it was a perfectly enjoyable film. I get, I obviously get exactly what it's doing. Spielberg put a lot of time into this. That is clear. He clearly cares very deeply for the source material. And, you know, it seems like Ariana DeBose is probably going to win Best Supporting Actress. And that's cool because Rita Moreno won 50 years ago for the same exact role. So that's, it's a nice little narrative to put, put on everything. But this is one you still have to see.
1: This one still have to see. I know a lot of musical theater actors that really, really love this movie. And I, you know, for being someone that musicals are not exactly my, my cup of tea. um, Thing is though, is like you get musical theater actors to say that something's really good. uh, It's probably really good.
0: Shot very well, staged very well, yeah.
1: Because they're judging it more harshly than anyone else's.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, West Side Story was probably his best effort since Munich. It was just, there were aspects of it that were really well done. The cinematography, Janusz Kaminski was just really, really flexing his genius again. And it had been a while since I had seen him flex it this well. Well, those are our nominees. Just taking a brief look at them. Hopefully by our post-Oscar chat, you will have thoughts for us on Drive My Car and maybe even West Side Story. But we've touched on along the way these Oscar narratives. Let's just look at these major categories really quick. Best picture, I think the main narrative here is Coda versus Dog, Power the Dog. And I am not saying with 100% confidence what I think are going to win all of these awards. But if I'm being asked now, I think I will give the edge to power the dog here. I think they're going to package this as picture and director. How about you?
1: Definitely picture. Cause you know, director is going to PTA.
0: So that brings us right to director. So you, okay. So you're just going, you're, you're still doing it. PTA best director. Okay. All we're so not betting anything so they so they can make this more interesting. I actually think in addition to Will Smith, this is the biggest lock of the night. I really think director kind of feels like a foregone conclusion to me and they're going to give it to her but will she win picture that's more of the narrative to me but you you stay pressing there near PTA corner if he wins i will eat my words faster than you can ever possibly imagine <laughs> <laughs> best actor is this a will smith lock or are we going to have a benedict cumberbatch upset like last year i as tempting as that is for the entertainment press to write about i think we have will smith taking this
1: here's the thing though this 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 award scares me because I personally think that Will Smith is a lock, but if he's not, that's going to be a really big deal. Like, I I don't know what I'll that make of it. That will
0: dampen the entire evening. That I mean, that's why they did actor last last year, because yeah. they thought it was going to be this perfect, moving, poetic send-off of the late, great Chadwick Boseman. I don't know when they're going to do it this year, but... If Will Smith does not win this, every award that follows is going to be, there's going to be a very dark cloud in the air. And that is just a fact.
1: And and the thing is, though, is like, because it, it, I think it really does. I mean, who knows? Because Andrew Garfield was really fucking good in Tick, Tick, Boom. But if it really comes down to Benedict Cumberbatch and Will Smith, like, I loved Benedict Cumberbatch in Power of the Dog. I would probably even list that as one of my favorite performances of the entire year. But... How do you not give it to Will for the work that he did and the career he's had to
0: date? That's what he has over Chadwick Bozeman is he has the decades and decades of being very important to movie culture. So maybe that's what will give him the edge and, to, and mm-hmm. to win this. I Part of me, a big part of me thinks we are all perhaps overthinking this a little bit. And this is a foregone conclusion lock like Julia Roberts, Aaron Brockovich, where you just, OK, it's Will Smith. Move on. Could be, you know.
1: But I mean, I think it's because of last year, it really shakes that ground. It's exactly why.
0: Yeah. Talking about shaky ground, this is great. This is the biggest who knows major category of the year. We have Best Actress because genuinely, who knows? Jessica Chastain, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, pulled out what I think is a hugely surprising Screen Actors Guild win. That's one of the biggest voting branches for the Academy. So it could be a good indicator that that's the way it's going to go. We also have Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter. She already won pretty recently. Maybe that hurts her. I'm not sure. Penelope Cruz with Parallel Mothers. She is also one, but for Supporting Actress. I don't know how many people have seen Parallel Mothers. I, that probably does it a disservice. She is phenomenal in that movie, though. Nicole Kidman being the Ricardos. I think the Actors Branch like this a lot. I don't think they're going to give it to her because she already has one for the hours. And then we have Kristen Stewart for Spencer. It's not very common that... A performer wins if their movie is only has one Oscar nomination total. Uh, I love Kristen Stewart. I would love if she had a chance here, but that leaves this open. I can see Chastain, Coleman, Kidman, or Stewart winning this. I wouldn't be surprised. I would be completely overjoyed if it's Chastain or Stewart. At this point, while I may have liked Kristen Stewart's performance the best of all of these, I really want this to go to Jessica Chastain. She oh. really deserves it. She has been playing the game. She is doing the interviews, going to all the press stuff. Olivia Coleman doesn't do that. She doesn't do the press stuff. She's uh, it just does not interest her. So we'll see. You know, Kristen Stewart's been playing the game a little too. She's been doing the interviews, but I I don't know. I just God, I really hope Chastain pulls this out. That would be so so great if it's something. If it's a huge surprise like that, never won. Totally deserves it. Let's do it.
1: I, I I agree. Chastain is still, for that role, is still my fa- my favorite performance of the year. But I think Case is going to do it. You think she'll win? I, th- I think she's going to win it. I think she's going to be nominated for absolutely nothing leading up to this. And then she's going to take home the Oscar.
0: I think your Oscar picks are the most asinine <laughs> I've ever heard in my entire life. And I respect it. You sound like someone who's handed an NCAA March Madness bracket, who's never watched a basketball game, and just goes, yeah, I like that team name. Oh, they have a two next to their name. They're going to win that game. But then, of course, if all of – man, let me put it this way. If all of your picks are right, we are going to have the best Oscar telecast in the history of the Oscars. That's what I'm talking about, baby. Some people might call that arrogance. I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't call it that. that know, everything that they confidence. want to win will win. I wouldn't I would I wouldn't call it that. Moving on to Best Supporting Actor. <laughs> the narrative, I think, of Best Supporting Actor this year is it looks like Troy Kotzer is going to take this from Cody Smith-McPhee. And I don't know where Cody Smith-McPhee came from. That was just a narrative that popped up like around o- Oscar nomination day. But... The SAG win for Troy Kotzer, I think, is really, I think, really did a lot of work for him in terms of his chances of winning here. And I think we're going to see this. And I I think that's great. I I think he's going to take it. There have been deaf performers who won before his co-star in COTA, Marley Matlin. She won Best Actress for Children of a Lesser God. So that would be, you know, I'm sure she's going to be there in the audience. That would be really cool if he won and he can kind of like give a little love to her in that way. That would be great. But that's cool. I, I've never seen him in a movie before, so it's cool that someone who's been in the game for a while, working, working, yep. maybe not in the roles we've all heard of, but doing it and working, now he just gets boosted up to this level. That's I, I actually love that. This is one yeah. of the coolest things about the Oscars. Let's take a little second here. I've been shitting on them a lot. This is what the Oscars can do. It can t- turn you on to movies that maybe – you didn't think deserve that much love. And you're like, oh, that got some Oscar love. Let me check it out. And you've discovered new things this way. You discover new actors. I, I love that they can do this. This is them at their best awarding him for this would be great.
1: And it's also a testament to the, the, the very real and very true but very hard reality that some of this is like a lifelong pursuit of yes. absolutely nothing. And then if you keep at it, there is something at the end of the tunnel. And a reward like this, you know, is something that it it would mean the world to him. And it speaks a lot to the representation that needs to go to all the things that, you know, where things need to change. So I think
0: it's his. And I hope it is. Best supporting actress, you know, it kind of looks like the the major narrative here is that supporting actress, supporting actor, and actor are locked. Supporting actress we have Ariana DeBose for West Side Story, who's pretty much won every award leading up to this and is presumed to win here. Rita Moreno won for the same role. So that's really cool. So is that the acting narrative here that actress is kind of the only one left up in the air? I've never heard anyone else's name, but Ariana DeBose mentioned for this. Yeah, I think this is DeBose's to lose at this point. Having just watched Belfast, do you think Judy Dench's nomination to, to part of here is should she have been nominated? And if there could only be one Belfast sporting actress nomination, should it have gone to Katrina Balfe? I think it absolutely should have gone to Balfe. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Judy Dench is great in those in that final scene though. Jesus. Yeah, but
1: again, like, do you really award and then really like that's a that's a win for the fucking close up.
0: Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know,
1: like all, all of that is kind of like what's take I mean, not that her acting is bad by any means, it's Judy Dench, but like you're looking at that shot. And when that shot happens, there is a shift in the way that you're looking at the movie. All of a sudden you're like, Oh, boom punches in and, straight on just three lines. Boom, says, boom, him. Boom. and then, you know, and it, it's, it's, there's so much that goes. That's into why that. you
0: hire Judy Dench to do that. Yeah, Put exactly. that much pathos in there. That's why you hire her. Ugh. of our major Oscars here. It looks like Best Adapted Screenplay is going to be the other major one up in the air, along with Best Actress, because all of these could foreseeably win. We have Coda, Drive My Car, Dune, The Lost Daughter, and The Power of the Dog. So, The Lost Daughter just swept the Film Independent Spirit Awards, and that does not happen with those awards. They gave it screenplay, director, and picture. If any award governing body loves to spread the wealth, they love to do that. So, for it to go boom, boom, boom like that, I wondered could they give this to Maggie Gyllenhaal since they are following my logic, gonna give Jane Campion best director? Could they boost this, spread the love a little bit, give it to The Lost Daughter, or do they give it to Coda because they're not gonna give Coda best picture? Do they? I, I don't know. I don't think Dune or Drive My Car are really in the running, but I could very easily see Coda, Lost Daughter, or The Power of the Dog winning. Frankly, If Campion is going to win director, I don't want her to win too. We need to like, we got to get off this train of like giving, this keeps happening a lot of screenplay, picture, director, like, can we not spread some stuff around a little bit? I don't, I, I don't know. So that's my stance on it. If I voted, I would vote for drive my car. I do not think that's going to win, but if I had a ballot, that's what I'd vote for. It's the lost daughters to lose. And I guarantee you haven't even fucking seen that movie. Huh? No comment? Oh. So, Lost Daughters look to lose. at you, Mr. Mr. Oscar over here. Mr. Oh. fucking Oscar. Lost Daughters Mr. Mr. To lose. Sunday night. <laughs> yep. Mr. Red Carpet. <laughs> Best original screenplay. Done, done, done. When
1: we even having this conversation.
0: Belfast, Don't Look Up, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, The Worst Person in the World. You still say Adam McKay, Don't Look Up. I think that is surely in dead last place in that category. Oh, but. Aside from that, I've heard some rumblings for King Richard. Belfast to me seems like a good safe choice here. It is a very personal film. Kenneth Branagh is very well known within the Oscars. Kenneth Branagh's never won. I think we could see that happening. But again, I am not sure. Obviously, I want this to be Licorice Pizza above all else cuz I don't think it's going to win director or picture. So, why not give it to PTA? That would make my night. If this wins original screenplay, Licorice Pizza, I don't I wouldn't care what else wins Let's that see, night. You got nothing but to worry about. Stick man. with your don't look up
1: because like why? Because he's going to win directly. Yeah. PTA is yeah. going to lose this one. It's
0: fairly fairly. There's a scene in Molly's game where a guy who doesn't have any fucking clue how to play poker ends up actually winning a hand by dumb luck. That's what your Oscar picks are.
1: Those are the worst people to play poker with. I've yes, played i played with know. those in Vegas. Like yeah, Your, your they're, Oscar
0: they're... picks are a broken watch. It's going to be right twice a day.
1: Listen, 60% of the time, I'm right every time.
0: Not with any of these Oscar <laughs> picks. Well, those are our 2022 Oscar narratives presented by What Are You Watching? Take them to the bank. Take mine to the bank. Don't take my co-host to the bank or else you'll lose your Oscar pool. Listen, um, everyone... <laughs> lucid. You know I'm right. You know I'm right. Let's go. <laughs> okay, so I thought it'd be fun to step out of 2022 because we've been talking about it a lot. And I just want to throw up a wild card conversation. Pick five best picture wins that you like. That's it. It can be films that you like. It can be the fact that they beat X competition. It can be the fact that they just won and you're like still stunned that they won. Let's just talk about five best picture winners that we rep really hard from now until the dawn of time why don't you go first give me one of yours first
1: i gotta go with midnight cowboy that's on my list hell yeah and now granted like i deep down knew that movie won best picture but when you think about when it came out the fact that that movie even won
0: Best Picture, like, that movie wouldn't win Best Picture today. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be made today. Oh, my God, no. Oh. That is one, if not the still most, like, shocking win ever. It was rated X at the time. It would be an R rating today. But it's still a hard movie. Like, there's some hard, tough stuff in it. I cannot believe that one. And that right there, you see the ushering in of this new wave of kind of young, independent cinema because the the Hayes Code had dropped in 1967. So now there's the ratings. The MPAA is established. This was definitely one I wanted to talk about as well. And one I'm in dire need of a rewatch for because I don't think I've seen this since college. And this movie's I- intense.
1: Yeah, college is when I saw this too. So this one is not exactly... And of course, I'm picking this, but I'm picking The Godfather Part 2. Oh, nice. Number one, it's... Perfect movie, but it also beat Chinatown and The Conversation, which are two other perfect movies. I gotta kind of give Godfather Part Two some credit for being as good as it is, and in any other year would have been losing to Chinatown or The Conversation.
0: Yeah, that's a great win, and obviously it's the first sequel to win, which is just crazy for how much shit The Godfather got as they were making it, and then it comes out and Couple is like nanny nanny boo boo. I made a masterpiece, <laughs> and then he just does it two years later with something bigger. Some might argue better. Great pick! Great pick. My next one I'm gonna go with The Lost Weekend from 1945. Ooh. This is Billy Wilder, still my favorite Billy Wilder movie. Ray Milland, Jane Wyman, truly devastating look, early look at alcoholism. And I'm talking, yeah, debilitating. Don't want to go away for a weekend because I won't be able to grab a drink alcoholism. Ray Milland is one of my favorite actors based on this performance. I'll watch anything he's in. I love him. If you have not seen The Lost Weekend, this is not like a slow, stuffy 1945 movie. I'm only not talking about movies that like move well. Like This is an old movie that moves and that devastates. It's a great film. I can't believe it One Best Picture.
1: It's still one of the best movies ever made about alcoholism.
0: Yeah, and it's so old and that doesn't matter. It goes so hard and mm-hmm. really understands uh what that disease is.
1: Yep. So the next one uh it's it's not it's another another one where it is just it's my third favorite movie of all time, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest from 1975, but again just kind of putting this one in there. Like, this has to be the best Oscar. That's what they say. Like, best picture nominee section ever. 75 is the best. You got One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Barry Lyndon, Dog Day Afternoon, Jaws, and Nashville. Like, are you kidding me? Absolutely insane. Ah, man. Like, any one of those movies. And 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 all of them stand the test of time, to be honest. Like, all those movies, for the most part, are still talked about today. And the fact that One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest beat all of them. Ah,
0: that's so cool. And not only did One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest win, it is one of three films to win those big five awards. Yep. Picture, director, actor, actress, screenplay. Only three movies have done that ever. It happened one night, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and coincidentally, one of my picks, The Silence of the Lambs. Boom. Made 1991, directed by Jonathan Demme really crazy not only that this movie won it was released in february which is really early for a movie to win best picture especially back in the 90s but it did win those big five oscars which is really wild especially when you consider anthony hopkins is like barely in this he's in it for like 18 minutes goes to show you how legendary he is in it and you know of every Best Picture winner, this is definitely one I've rewatched the most. I've, how many times have I seen Silence of the Lambs? I've seen it so many times. I love it. Read it for the first time, actually, a few months ago. Really enjoyed oh, it. Oh, I actually read that book, too. Yeah, it's a really good yep. book. He's it's really a great, good. Re- he's really good at writing... A, like a step above Pulp Fiction because it's so entertaining. And but it's not it wasn't like heady or deep or dense or anything. It was just yeah. it was really good. And a really this is a really good adaptation of it, for sure. So next for me is, uh, you know,
1: it's it's not really a coincidence that the, my four picks all happen within 10 years of each other. But I'm going with the deer hunter from 1978.
0: And that is my next pick. Of course it is. Oh,
1: there it <laughs> is, baby. There it is. It's a it's a perfect movie.
0: It's as big and raw and as perfect as Hollywood filmmaking gets to me. This is my favorite film to ever win Best Picture. It's in my top 10. So for that reason, I was going to mention it here. I thought it would be mentioned by you as well. But yeah, it doesn't really get much bigger or like more dangerous than this. It's great that this one picture and director and it is Michael Chimino's uh, grand moment because his career had some major downs as it went on, but I don't, he never reached higher and got higher than this. So it's great. So
1: I've, I love all my answers, but I realized I didn't really have a very current one. And so I wanted to pick something within the last 10 years. Oh boy. And I'm looking at all of these and people, I'm not bashing anything at all, but just kind of go back in on Wikipedia and just look at what has won, I'm going to say since 2008 on, and then what was also in contention with it. I think you'll be surprised to see what these best winners actually are. Because so, of preferential
0: voting ballots. It fucked everything
1: yep, up. It really shows. So the out of all the movies since 2008, they have won Best Picture – the one that I'm going to go with right now is the, my favorite movie of all of them. It would be Birdman or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance because that's the actual full title.
0: That's a great question. What is our favorite Best Picture winner since preferential voting? Great question. I think 12 Years a Slave is like a di- like yeah. a masterpiece movie, like an important movie, not one I'm rewatching a lot. I'd probably go with yeah. Birdman as well. I, it was still funky to me that Birdman won. That is my, and as much as I love Birdman... This trend I'm talking about, like Birdman won picture, director, screenplay. Boyhood was also nominated for all of those. I just wanted it to win. I just wanted Boyhood to win one of those. That's all. I wanted Lake
1: Ladder to win one. And Birdman wouldn't be the movie that I would have voted for for that year for this award. But when you're just asking, like, what best picture in the last, you know, 10, 12 years is your favorite movie that I'm like, oh, out of all of these, Birdman is my favorite one that won.
0: That's great. That's great. I did the opposite and went intentionally really, really far back. I didn't go farther back than The Lost Weekend, but I'm going with probably the ultimate don't judge a book by its cover movie for me and actually sit down and watch From Here to Eternity, made in 1953, genuinely just one of the best movies ever made. And most people, you know, this movie's probably best known for the shot of Burt Lancaster and Deborah Kerr kissing on the beach as the waves come crashing in. But this is a movie that lives up to the hype of that scene and of that shot that we've seen before. It's just so good. You have Montgomery Cliff, never better. This movie packs a dead serious punch right into the very end. And then as a cool selling point, apparently, not apparently, this has been confirmed, the Johnny Fontaine part in The Godfather is based on Frank Sinatra getting his part in this movie, which went on to win him the Best Supporting Actor Oscar. So it's a little bit of movie trivia there. But yeah, this is Fred Zinneman's movie. I love Fred Zinneman, The Search, High Noon, The Day of the Jackal. From Here to Eternity is a great Best Picture win, and I'm really glad it won. And I want people to go watch this, because it's a really good old movie.
1: (laughs) Is that what you're recommending for what are you watching, Alex?
0: No, it isn't. Thank you oh, for asking, Jesus Nick. Christ, <laughs> Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> we always do something separate. I've never once just piggybacked off the last movie we're talking about and going, hey, hey so I'm going to recommend that one for what are you watching? It's never happened. I got like 63 episodes.
1: <laughs> Listen, I thought you were doing something different. We doubled down a few episodes
0: ago, and I thought maybe we we're just trying something new. Fuck me, I guess. All to hell. That does bring us to what are you watching? (laughs) I said it would be fun. (laughs) The only rule here was to pick one movie that has been nominated for at least one Oscar in the history of movies. I'll go first. I'm keeping it very, very new. I want to kind of bring it back to our current race this year. There's one really good film that I haven't mentioned because it's not nominated for Best Picture, but it is nominated for Best Documentary. This is called Attica. It is directed by Tracy Curry and Stanley Nielsen This is nominated for the Best Documentary Oscar along with Ascension, Flea, Summer of Soul, that's a Questlove documentary that's probably going to win, and Writing with Fire. Attica is about the 1971 uprising in Attica prison by inmates who were mostly people of color and the uh, authoritative hyper overreaction to that riot. So this movie's two hours long and it's actually on Amazon Prime and Showtime right now. And I sat down because I I wanted to watch, still watching all the Oscar movies, wanted to spend, have a day watching all the best documentary nominees. Put this one on first. It's like 90 minutes goes by and you're getting, you know, a good look, an examination of like why the riot happened, what the prisoners were asking for. They were asking for really, really crazy things like being served edible food. Wow, wild, being actually given like beds to sleep on. So yeah, just really crazy stuff like that. Um, and I'm wondering when is when is this gonna break? Because like when does this riot get bad? This is the riot that Pacino's yelling about in Dog Day Afternoon. Attica, Attica. Yeah. And then it breaks. And then it gets really, really fucking bad. The last half hour of this movie is not easy to watch. And you are going they are gonna show you pictures that were taken there that you don't unsee. So I'm recommending this one cautiously. Uh, Part of the last 30 minutes are so horrifying. I'm actually surprised it's nominated. This would be my pick to win this Oscar this year. No question. Um, Want to look at race in America at 1971 circa 2021. Watch this because what has really changed? What has really changed? A great and important documentary that I am recommending wholeheartedly but with reservations uh abandon all faith ye who enter here attica man you're so articulate <laughs> <laughs> well i try i try 36 very, years very... of uh tried to use the english language to my advantage so i try it's, thank you God. it's an intense movie it's a really good movie but don't uh don't fuck around with it cuz it's not fucking around with you basically
1: man i'm an actor and i can't talk for shit
0: <laughs> well my movie
1: is uh, – I, I wanted to pick something because I like the idea of Oscar standing the test of time. Oh, yeah. And I'm I'm picking a movie that – and it's one of the most awarded, if not the most awarded movie of all time. You would know better. But I'm going with <laughs> Titanic. Here it is. One <laughs> that going. never
0: gets mentioned. <laughs>
1: <laughs> because – this movie maybe the was most just...
0: embarrassing Oscar speech ever, or in the top five. When he wins and says, "I'm king of the world," and screams it, it's it's like Jim, what are you doing, man? Come
1: hey, South Park said it he best when every, they hit.
0: He makes everyone do a, a moment of silence for the people who died on Titanic, and then I'm king of the world. Oh my god, Jim! Oh,
1: He's Jim. the best. The best. I want to rewatch it to see how I feel about the movie now and just see, like, how it just holds up after over 20 years of being, like, the biggest
0: movie ever. This movie got tons of Oscar nominations, won a ton. Yeah, most of them. Not one. nominated for screenplay. I think that is extremely telling. Um, noting all that, I love Leonardo DiCaprio. I love Kate Winslet. The visual effects, all of that stuff are uh, still as good as you'll find in a movie today, and that is unassailable. The what he did with it, it was so believable. No one had ever seen it on screen before. I'll never forget seeing this movie in the theater. People were like, "It was just, it was really an experience. It was fucking stunning." Like old people were like dressed up in suits and shit who came probably haven't been to a movie and like you know since they saw Singing in the Rain. <laughs> I, don't, I, I got don't my grandmother
1: to come to the theater with me. There
0: you go. I bet she dressed yep. up too, didn't she?
1: She did. She yeah, did. Right, she, and she did to the nine, and she cried.
0: Well, everyone cried when they saw it. I mean, oh, my God. It was so – people were, like, beside themselves. Everyone cried. But Good pick. I really appreciate – one of the things I've always wanted to do on this podcast is really do our best to draw attention to those smaller movies that need more love. And there's no better example than Titanic. So I really appreciate you doing that. You worked really hard on that pick. I know you did. Well, that's it. So this is – all right, folks you're hearing this if you're listening to this the day it comes out it's thursday it's the day before the oscars who knows if what we said will come true we will at the very least be tweeting along with the ceremony at wayw underscore podcast we may try to do a twitter space and go live for some of it we'll see but we'll definitely be tweeting reactions during it and I'll make sure I have control of the Twitter account to not be so that I can, you know, bash Nick when like all of his crazy ass pics don't end up happening. Wow. But as always, thank you so much for listening and happy watching. Happy Oscar Sunday. Hey everyone, thanks again for listening. You can watch my films and read my movie blog at alexwithrow.com nicholasdostal.com is where you can find all of nick's film work send us mailbag questions at what are you watching podcast at gmail.com and we'll answer those on the show or find us on twitter at w a y w underscore podcast next time we're going to rehash the 2022 oscars directly after the last award is given it's going to be a really predictable night or a really exciting one stay tuned I think I would give it cinematography, to be honest. It's not nominated. Belfast is not nominated for cinematography, my friend. Dune, Nightmare Alley, Power of the Dog, Tragedy and Macbeth, and West Side Story. You fucking Nightmare Alley got fucking nominated for fucking Belfast. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right, let me leave that part of it out.